0: You're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. One out of eight people over the age of 65 has Alzheimer's disease, and the number increases to nearly one out of two over the age of 85. The vast majority of those with Alzheimer's or some other form of dementia live at home, cared for by family and friends. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Laura Humphrey, and our guest today is Dr. Peter Reed, Senior Director of Programs for the National Alzheimer's Association. He will be sharing with us information about the organization, the kind of support it provides to patients, their families, and the physicians who care for them. Welcome.
1: Well, thank you very much. I'm delighted to be uh, on the program today.
0: So tell us about the association. How long has it been around?
1: The Alzheimer's Association uh, is a nationwide organization that has been around, I think, 26 years uh, at this point. And our primary purpose um, is really to fulfill our mission of eliminating Alzheimer's disease through advancing research, through providing and enhancing care and support for all people affected by Alzheimer's disease and dementia, and to reduce the risk of dementia through the promotion of brain health.
0: How many locations do you have around the country?
1: There are 78 regional chapters for the Alzheimer's Association, and then close to 300 local offices. So we do have resources available in nearly every community uh, to be able to provide for people's needs really with nationwide coverage.
0: I'll say. What are some of the services and programs you offer?
1: There really are a wide range of different services and programs that we offer for all of the different audiences affected by Alzheimer's disease, and those include people with the disease, their family members and family caregivers, and also professionals as well. Uh, the primary services that we offer include really shepherding people through their needs with the disease. So starting with information and information and referral, giving people the knowledge base that they need to understand what's occurring uh, in their life now that they've been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease or have a loved one that's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, and then moving them as their desire for, it, for uh, knowledge increases, moving them from simply information to a more in-depth care consultation. We have Licensed clinical social workers that are available 24 hours a day through our 24-hour helpline, which is at 1-800-272. 3900, available 24 hours a day nationwide to talk with individuals and consider their situation in depth, and then provide them with referrals and resources that are going to be tailored to their own unique situation. In addition to the National Call Center, we have staff actually in the local chapters as well during the course of business hours so that when people call our hotline, they're not only linked in with a licensed professional who can give them general advice, but also information information that's available in their local community.
0: That's so comprehensive and and individualized. Do you also have support groups?
1: We absolutely do. As we shepherd people through that process, you know, we try to address all of their different needs, as I said, going from information referral to in-depth care consultation, and then uh, to enrolling them, if they're interested in doing so, into support groups, which can provide for emotional support and provide them with tangible support and instrumental support and, and problem-solve and, and share their perspectives and ideas with other people that have been affected by the disease who maybe have come up with creative solutions, the kinds of things that uh, perhaps even our qualified staff wouldn't be able to brainstorm uh, because it's really that learned experience from being affected. So to be able to share that information with other folks uh, in a similar situation is so helpful.
0: It's so helpful. And what services um, and support do you offer to physicians who care for these patients?
1: Well, we have a wide range of services for professionals in general, uh, and I think the primary thing that the Alzheimer's Association offers to physicians uh, is, in a sense, respite as well. We understand the challenges associated with being a primary care physician uh, and, and giving someone a diagnosis of dementia because of the ongoing support care support and ongoing uh, intervention that that's going to require, and recognizing the, the short amount of time that, that folks have, and I know I hear you know, seven and a half minutes for a visit, uh, we want to be able to, to provide an underlying structure, an underlying social network of services to pick up, and, uh, to pick up that care and, and be that ongoing support mechanism. So when a primary care physician makes that diagnosis of dementia, they know that the Alzheimer's Association is there to provide support, and they can refer people to us so that we can link them up with our licensed clinical social workers and that we can involve them in support groups and then also offer education and training uh, for people with the disease and family members they can be referred and work with the association to really pick up that that larger ongoing support and care Because the everyday life of a person with Alzheimer's disease is really affected uh, by the disease and and their family members as well. It's not just about the medical intervention, but it's also about the strategies and mechanisms that are in place to enhance their quality of life with their activities of daily living, with their social interactions, with behaviors and interventions. And so those are the types of support services that aren't possible uh, in a 15-minute clinical visit that are possible through a social service organization such as ours that's present in the community
0: that's so important and rare. You actually teach patients how to make the most of their visits to their doctors. So tell us, what are some of the biggest challenges that the caregivers face in caring for these patients?
1: Well, there really is a wide range, again, of challenges because of the variation in the way the disease affects people. Preparing yourself for those changes is important. Then as the disease progresses, uh, other challenges take place as well. Certainly the activities of daily living uh, can be very difficult as people lose their ability to manage their own finances. Uh, Perhaps the the spouse who is now the caregiver was not the person who did the finances and doesn't necessarily know how to provide for that as well. Um, And then also the day-to-day and daily needs uh, when they reach the point of incontinence perhaps. Then the bathing and the dressing and all of those other daily care issues become a challenge as well for caregivers and so they in a sense need the training to understand how to provide those types of care and support
0: and the association offers that.
1: We do. We have, as I said, a variety of training programs, first to educate people about what to expect from Alzheimer's disease. What is Alzheimer's disease? What's the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? Uh, What are the other forms of dementia? And then what are the the changes that will be taking place with their loved ones and how they can help to accommodate those changes? Uh, And so from that information and knowledge, all the way up to more intensive training on how to be a good caregiver. And we do have really a variety of different programs offered in the local community, particularly one of the challenges that emerges are around changing behaviors and anxieties and, and different symptoms of the disease uh, that caregivers experience in working with them that, that can really cause difficulty in the relationship.
0: Yes, it takes a toll on the whole family. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Laura Humphrey, and we are speaking with Dr. Peter Reed, who is the Senior Director for Programs at the National Alzheimer's Association. We're talking about the kind of support and programs that are available through the association for patients with Alzheimer's, their families, and the health care providers. Dr. Reed, what, how quickly do things change for a person once they have the diagnosis of Alzheimer's?
1: That really varies um, from person to person. And it can change very quickly depending on where they are in the disease process when they're diagnosed, or, or it can be a very gradual change. One of the things that we've been seeing more and more uh, through the Alzheimer's Association is people being diagnosed earlier in the disease. That's because of the raising public awareness of Alzheimer's disease and the raising concern of Alzheimer's disease, so people recognizing that it's something the, that is present and that they should be keeping tabs on and looking out for, and people better understanding those memory changes, and then coming into uh, the qualified professionals and the, the physicians to get a diagnosis. And as we're seeing more people diagnosed earlier in the disease, then not only is the changes that are taking place with the caregivers, but also for the person themselves, something we hear a lot from uh, people in the early stages that we brought together to help advise the association, is that uh, it, it can sometimes be a phenomenon where they'll receive the diagnosis and all of the information and the counseling and the discussion will be directed to the caregiver, but that they really have some remaining abilities and can be part of that discussion as well, that they should be empowered to be continued to be part of that process. Uh, So engaging the person with the disease and and acknowledging their personhood and their dignity is something that's really important as well.
0: Yes, to the extent that they're able all along the way. And is the incidence increasing?
1: We actually have just released yesterday, a new facts and figures document that outlines an increase in the the prevalence of Alzheimer's disease, but the data don't show necessarily at this point that the incidence is changing in an absolute manner of, of the disease itself. The incidence of diagnosed cases, perhaps, is changing as we develop greater awareness and people come in to get diagnosed, and as new diagnostic strategies and tools become available. So we really are kind of catching more people, but the absolute incidence of the disease is not necessarily increasing. Um, But the, the prevalence is as the population ages.
0: Yes. And in addition to drug therapies, are there other kinds of therapies that can actually improve memory and cognitive function even as the person's deteriorating?
1: You know, there's a wide range of inquiry uh, being conducted within that area, particularly around um, sort of cognitive rehabilitation strategies and cognitive training strategies to maintain people's cognitive functioning. And I think that there's some very nice studies that have started to demonstrate some effects in that area, but I'm not sure that the science has really emerged to a point to where recommending cognitive training uh, is something that you could expect to have a definite benefit in terms of their cognitive functioning. That said, it's not a bad thing for people to exercise their mind and to engage in crossword puzzles and to engage in social interactions and discussions uh, because it can enhance their quality of life. But to expect that it would arrest the decline um, once someone is diagnosed could potentially be an expectation that um, is a bit elevated and not necessarily appropriate.
0: I see. But there are studies being done to examine that question.
1: Uh, yes, that that is an active uh, area of inquiry. You know, another area also is around brain health for people who have not been diagnosed with the disease or, or for baby boomers and people who are entering into the high-risk categories for that.
0: It sounds like there are a lot of costs to society associated with caring for Alzheimer's, especially as the incidence is increasing.
1: Yes, that that's right. There actually are costs well beyond simply the medical costs. Those are extensive as well. Um, When someone receives a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease, many of them are older, so they're getting their medical costs covered in large part by Medicare. And so there is uh, an increased burden in medical care uh, for them because of the Alzheimer's disease and largely also because of the comorbidities that exist with Alzheimer's disease. And I again would refer you to uh, the facts and figures document that we just released, really having Alzheimer's disease increase the cost by about three times uh, older people who do not have Alzheimer's disease.
0: Wow. So could guests and listeners tune into your website and find out some of those figures?
1: Yes, absolutely. Those figures are available on our website uh, and through the Facts and Figures document. Our website, since we haven't listed it so far, is www.alz.org. There's a wide range of information available there, uh, both in terms of Alzheimer's disease um, for for people with the disease and family caregivers, but also for professionals. Um, There are tools for physicians available so that they can understand appropriate diagnostic techniques, understand the latest research, and understand the latest research in terms of disease-modifying treatments for the drug. There are several active studies right now uh, that are in the the phase three, uh, the clinical trials in phase three that are uh, emerging and are going to be released. Some of the results of those at a prevention conference this coming June. Uh, to try and and help us better understand the state of the science with that.
0: Thank you. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Peter Reed, Senior Director of Programs for the National Alzheimer's Association. I'm Dr. Laura Humphrey. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.